Let's it fly. Welcome to the Seeing Red Podcast. That's right, that's right. It is another edition here of the Seeing Red Podcast. My name, as always, is Troy Moriello, and I am your host bringing you up to date and up to speed on all things St. John's basketball. It is our 15th episode. Can you believe we've been at this for 15 weeks, almost three months now? Uh, But... The season is maybe at a little bit of a crossroads for the Red Storm. Uh, We have a preview show today, as we are one to do when we have sort of a week off or a weekday off. No weekday game this week for St. John's. So we will be previewing the St. John's-Georgetown matchup, the crucial St. John's-Georgetown matchup. And we'll be doing that with Beth Cuniff. She is a student journalist at the Georgetown Voice. She also does a uh, Georgetown men's and women's basketball podcast there as well. Uh, very good interview with her. We preview the the uh, Sunday's game for about 20 minutes, so great job out of her. Look forward to that. But first, it's it's time to talk about the, the state of the Red Storm right now. Obviously, losers of three of their last four. A disappointing result this past Saturday in Butler, where they fell behind by 20-plus points. Uh, made a nice comeback. Uh, obviously, I didn't do a show after that game, so I'll just give some of my thoughts here. Listen, I don't want to be overly negative about that game. It was a nice comeback, but at the end of the day, with the talent level and the talent difference, in my mind, between St. John's and Butler, I know it's not huge, but St. John's is too talented to fall behind by that much, so they don't really get as much credit, in my mind, making that nice comeback against Butler because... They should have never been down by that much in the first place. You should never be down 20-plus points to Butler. I don't care where you're playing them. I don't care any demons that you haven't exercised yet in Butler, in that arena, in Hinkle Fieldhouse. That should never have happened with the talent that St. John's has on the floor. They are a more talented team than Butler. But just in general, that talented of a team should never be falling behind by 20-plus points to really anyone in any building. I don't care. You know, Duke and Cameron is one thing. Butler and Hinkle Fieldhouse is a completely different thing, though. So they don't get as much credit for the comeback. It was a nice comeback, but listen, could not execute, and it was just too much, too gas for a team that is lacking depth. Um, and a disappointing result. And a game that I think I, I tweeted uh, midway through the game, actually, it was it was a missed opportunity again to take that next step forward for St. John's. You know, we, we've spoken a lot on this podcast, a lot on Twitter about this being a different season, about this being a special season for St. John's. And through the first 15 games of the season, it looked that way. You know, it looked like every chance that they were getting to kind of take that next step they were. Think about the VCU, or think about the Rutgers game, actually, to start the season. A, a tough road game. You know, Rutgers hasn't played that great this season, but that's a tough road game. Took that step forward. Uh, VCU in the Legends Classic, a game that they should not have won, that they would not have won in years past. Won it on the back of Shimori Ponds, albeit uh, controversially, but won that game on the back of Shimori Ponds. Took that next step forward. Uh, down by 16 in the, in the first half against Georgia Tech uh, in Miami came back, won that game, took that next step forward. Obviously lost a controversial game to Seton Hall, so we're not going to you know, hold that against them, but then came out and just shellacked Marquette in the next game, took that next step forward. 
Then the next possible step to take forward was against Villanova, and they failed to do so. They played well, but failed to take that next step forward. And then again, we're seeing another chance to take that next step forward against Butler, and it was failed once again. So now St. John's finds themselves in a logjam with really eight other teams in the Big East right now, either three and four at the the time of this recording, three and four or two and four. and this is a must-win game. I think I speak for the entire fan base when I say this is a must-win game, especially when you consider the schedule coming up, three tough road games where at the end of the day, if you win one of those three games against Creighton, Marquette, and Duke, I think that you're happy, to be honest with you. I think if you can get through this four-game stretch, two and two, you'll be in a very good spot, not only to, to make the NCAA tournament, but to... Um, to you know, finish really top half of the Big East and put yourself in a good position in the Big East tournament. So, you know, this is this is a must-win game though. So it's not it's not that you know the, the season can fall apart. But at the end of the day, you lose this game, it's going to be real tough to get any more than one win in that three-game stretch that I just uh, mentioned. And then you're looking at you know already having you know what six, seven Big East losses possibly depending on how, on how uh, the next three games go after this. So this is a huge game. As I said, it's a, it's a program at the crossroads right now. Uh, still in a good spot for the NCAA tournament, but certainly now uh, falling to near that bubble, which you don't want to be. You don't want to be on the bubble, especially in St. John's case when they don't really have that top flight resume, especially when they have that non-conference schedule where they really don't have any marquee wins on their non-conference schedule. In conference, obviously, they have the win over Marquette, but the St. John's tournament resume doesn't look all that great if uh, they they are on the bubble come Selection Sunday. So you want to avoid that bubble at all costs. You want to play your way into the tournament, and this is a chance to do so. This is a Georgetown team that has played a lot of close games this season, but but St. John's is better than Georgetown. St. John should beat Georgetown in this game at home at the Garden on a Sunday. You're well-rested. You have over a week off now. This should be a win for St. John's. And this should be a momentum builder now going into the uh, you know next three games where, like I said, you just need to get one. So you win this game, you'll just need to get one in those final three. But we will see how it goes on Sunday and for the sake of this uh, fan base and for the sake of uh, this fan base on Twitter, especially in social media, I pray that it's a win and I pray that it's a uh, it, it's just a win. I don't. It doesn't even need to be a resounding win, just a win on Sunday that could calm a lot of people's nerves uh, going into this really, really tough three-game stretch over the next couple of weeks of January and into February. But we will now uh, shift gears a little bit and we will talk with Beth Cuniff, as I said, she is a uh, a student journalist over there at Georgetown. Got in contact with her. Big thanks to her for uh, for hopping on on kind of short notice and uh, and uh, doing a little preview with us as well. So we're gonna preview that game. I will be back uh, after that to kind of close out the show. But I hope you guys enjoy this preview of St. John's and Georgetown, and I will see you guys after that. Okay, we're now joined by Beth Cuniff. She is the former sports editor at the Georgetown Voice. She currently is their alumni outreach manager. She also has a podcast with them called the Full Court Press Podcast, breaking down Georgetown basketball. I actually checked it out a little bit last night. Really cool stuff uh, there from her. I obviously love student journalism as well, being a former student journalist myself. So Beth, thank you for joining us. 
Yeah. Um, so I, uh, first question, I guess, uh, uh, how's your time at the paper been? Uh, you know, give us some of your qualifications, obviously how long you've been with the paper. Um, are you guys a daily paper or a weekly? Cause at St. John's, we were a weekly paper. So um, we are a news magazine. Um, so we used to be a paper. We've kind of transitioned to being a news magazine. Um, we're every day online. And then we publish a 16-page issue um, every two weeks. So that will have, like, longer feature stories in it. Sometimes there's sports. Sometimes there's not. But we've got sports stories going up every day online. Um, I've been with The Voice since my sophomore year. I started out just as a staff writer, um, writing sports stories. I cover field hockey a lot because I played field hockey in high school. Um, and I was the only one who, like, understood the rules. So they were like, <laughs> oh, we have to cover field hockey. <laughs> so I started doing that um, and also writing for the blog. We have halftime about any sports things that I was interested in. Um, I've written, you know, about LeVar Ball and the Patriots and David Ortiz and anyone and anything um, on that blog. Okay. That, that's and for, then... Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. I yeah. So then I became the assistant sports editor, um, the half-time sports editor, and then finally um, in the fall of my senior year, I was a sports editor. And I've kind of taken a step back and just have a business role in my second semester of my senior year. Cool. Yeah. That, that's kind of interesting that you guys have kind of transitioned a little bit to more uh, digital, you know, with obviously the, the changing world of journalism. That's a pretty good idea on your part. Um, yeah. No. Yeah, so I want I want to, obviously we're going to talk St. John's Georgetown now round to uh, their second meeting in like three weeks, which is a little odd yeah. uh, to do so early in the Big East. Sometimes you see that later in the season, but you know early like this. Um, so they just played three weeks ago, basically. But I would say that game for St. John's three weeks ago was probably the not the highlight of their season, but the high point of the Red Storm season. At that point, they were 14-1, and 2-1 uh, and one in the Big East. They had just gotten, they were going to get ranked two days later. Um, since then, I don't want to say it's been a downfall, but they've certainly trended uh, downward, uh, St. John's has, to kind of more, obviously, in that logjam of eight teams in the Big East and uh, kind of more on the bubble side of the NCAA tournament or nearing the bubble side of the NCAA tournament. So, St. John's has kind of taken a step back. Uh, we've all obviously seen Georgetown play, but you know, what if anything has changed for the Hoyas since their last meeting with St. John's three weeks ago? Yeah, I think that was that was definitely a rough game uh, for the Hoyas, and it was very reminiscent of past close losses, um, blowing late leads. But I think what that game showed is that Georgetown can play with anyone, um, can play with a team that you know, only have one loss up to that point. Um, you know, Georgetown didn't have the hardest of non-confident schedules mm-hmm. um, and lost the Syracuse by one. And then everyone was like, what are they going to be able to do? And I think that game showed they can play with um, other teams. I think what's changed is they did figure out how to win close against Providence. They pulled out a double overtime win. Um, since then, they've lost close to uh, both Marquette and Creighton. But... I think it looks like Georgetown's learned how to pull out a late win, and if they can do that again um, and replicate that, I think we'll have a lot of success going forward. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious to know the kind of general feeling maybe of the, of the Georgetown fan base, maybe on campus uh, with the students, because, you know, for St. John's, obviously both St. John's and Georgetown are kind of in that, like I said, that log jam in the Big East, St. John's three and four, Georgetown two and four. Uh, for St. John's, I think that a lot of, of fans 
after their non-conference start uh, being 12-0, and and then after their 2-1 and start in the Big East, I think a lot of St. John's fans expected this team to be in that upper echelon with Villanova and Marquette. Instead, St. John's kind of slides back. Um, so, you know, what's what's the feeling? That's kind of caused a lot of St. John's fans, obviously, to, you know, be running around with their heads uh, cut off because they're freaking out that they're not uh, up there with the top teams. So what's kind of the general feeling of the Georgetown fan base right now? Is this kind of what was expected? Because I know that the expectations weren't obviously as high for Georgetown this season as they were for St. John's. Yeah, I think there's a piece of it that's just happy that the games are close, that Georgetown's not getting blown out. I think... You know, excited about the young, like the young stars of this team, McKenzie, McClung, LeBlanc. They're all incredibly talented players, and it's so fun to watch them play. But I think there's also a lot of frustration, and you see that among the students, and you see that on Twitter. After the St. John's game, everyone was like, "All right, well, you know, they lost in overtime. It could have been, could have easily been one, and then they blew a 17-point lead to Xavier." And everyone was like, "Oh, okay." And then they beat Providence in double overtime with Mac McClung hitting an insane buzzer beater to close regulation and send the game to overtime. And the student section was packed that day. And then everyone came back for the Marquette game on a Tuesday night at 8.30. And Capital One Arena, at least the student section, was full. <laughs> and everyone was like, whoa, we haven't seen this many students in years. And like on the senior, and it's been dead for the last two years. <laughs> and then even though they lost, people came back for the Creighton game. And then they lost close by four. And I think a lot of people are wondering, you know, they're going away this weekend and they won't be back um, home until Thursday when they play Xavier. And I think a lot of people are wondering what the student section is going to look like then. Because after, like, two bad losses, um, I think a lot of people are wondering, is, like, are the students going to keep showing up? You know, getting all the way downtown to Capital One Arena is hard. Um, especially on weeknights, it's hard to get students out. Mm-hmm. Um, students have to pay for tickets. So if they didn't buy, students, like, student season tickets, and they have to buy an individual ticket. Um, people don't like to send the money. <laughs> so I think, I think it'll be interesting to see if people show up. Um, and I think... The result of the St. John's game might play a factor. Yeah, so I, I guess St. John's, is, or, I'm sorry, Georgetown is kind of in the same boat as St. John's then because a lot of St. John's fans are acting like this is a must win for the Red Storm because they have uh, road games against Creighton, Marquette, and Duke coming up. So a loss here could kind of spiral uh, St. John's season out of control like we've seen in years past. So is the feeling kind of the same with Georgetown that this is a must win maybe to keep the, the student interest uh, in there as well as the, the fan base as a whole? Yeah, I think as a, with the fan base, definitely. And I think if the team falls to two and five, that's just a hole that's really hard to climb out of in the Big East where any game could go any way. Um, and Georgetown hasn't exactly proven their great at closing out wins in the end. Um, so, yeah, going down to two and five and then having to go on the road and then hosting Villanova right after that would just... I think that that's a tough sell. Um, I think that would put them in a spot where getting a winning record in the Big East and, you know, maybe not having to play the Wednesday of the Big East tournament looks a lot harder. Mm-hmm, definitely. So you mentioned those, those, uh, those close losses, the four Big East losses by, I think a combined like 16 points, um, what in your mind has been the reason for the, I mean, we've all seen the games, obviously, but what in your mind has been the reason for the, the struggles in close games? Because it feels kind of reminiscent to what St. John's has dealt with in years past, you know, playing these teams close, but then not being able to close them out. So what's been the reason for that? I think part of it is late, late game execution. Um, if you look at 
the St. John's game, there's just a few dumb turnovers and not playing defense down the stretch. Um, in the Marquette game, um, you know, Georgetown's down one with seconds left and James Akinjo blows his play um, and doesn't pass the ball to Jesse Govan mm-hmm. and team loses the Creighton game. They were just unable to score down the stretch. You know, they've stopped. They got multiple stops at the end, but were just unable to, like, score, and then eventually there was no time left to score. I think it's just making the right decision down the stretch, and I think it, they're a young team, and they've got a young backcourt, and so I think it's just learning, gelling as a team. And then, you know, in the Providence game, by all accounts and measures, after Akinjo missed three, it looked like all was lost, and Mac Kong hit the buzzer beater of the century to send it to... <laughs> double overtime or to overtime and then James Akinjo hit a crazy three defensive double overtime so they have the ability to do that they closed out a close game earlier this year against Illinois they've won in overtime over South Florida and Arkansas Little Rock and while those don't seem like crazy like great wins they were still important in the fact that Georgetown figured out how to win close and win late and so that skill is there. I think it's just they're playing against teams at a higher caliber now, and it'll take them a little while to figure it out. Mm-hmm. I agree. We've definitely seen them close some games out, so it's a little odd. Obviously, the competition, as you said, is a little bit tougher uh, in the Big East. But you know, going back to the first meeting between these two, um, you know, as a St. John's fan, I think that most I could speak for most of the fan base when I say, with you know, a minute left in that game, I think most St. John's fans were kind of con- not content, but were accepting that. That was going to be a loss for St. John's. Uh, they make the miraculous comeback. LJ Figueroa hits those free throws at the end of, of uh, regulation to send that game into overtime. So St. John's kind of pulled that win out of nowhere, and I'm assuming that it was the opposite type feeling for uh, for Georgetown fans. You know, on campus uh, with the team, maybe with the fan base as a whole, do you sense any sort of uh, extra motivation for Georgetown? You know, given how they how terrible that loss was for them in this first meeting between these two. Yeah, I think part of it is everyone's looking and saying, you know, that could have been a win. That could have easily been a win. Um, if Devon Blair called him out um, instead of trying to dribble through a double team, that's probably a win. Um, or if they had given the ball to James instead of Devon, that's easily a win. Or even if James Akinjo hadn't tried to alley-oop the ball to Jesse Govern there at the end and thrown a bounce pass instead, maybe that's a win. So I think... I think there's a lot of people saying we could have won. Um, and I think there's a lot of people also working and saying Patrick Ewing doesn't like to lose in the garden. Um, <laughs> and, you know, Dorsan lost in the Big East tournament in the first round last year, um, but took a win at the garden in uh, in conference play. And I think I think that's definitely a sentiment. You know, Jesse Govan is from New York. He loves playing in New York City. Patrick Ewing loves going back there. And so I think there's a... There's a little bit of sense of hope with everyone saying, like, this is a really good St. John's team, and we prove we can beat them. And, you know, Mack McClung was down with an ankle injury, and he provides a good 13 points a game. So having him back on the floor provides an extra person who, who St. John's is going to have to defend, and I think that there's, there's definitely a sense of hope that we can win. Mm-hmm. And you, you mentioned Mack McClung obviously missed that, that last game. I believe Trey Morning missed that game as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so... We've we've obviously seen uh, McClung and his heroics in the in the Providence game. Uh, can you tell fans of St. John's who maybe aren't as familiar with these two guys what do they each kind of bring to the table and what can uh, can St. John's fans ex- expect to see out of McClung and Morning? 
Yeah, so I was not a Matt McClung believer when the season began. Um, I saw him play over the summer in Kenner League, and I was like, yeah, he's really good, but he's really splashy dunks, and, you know, he still was a three-star recruit, and I was biding my time before I, like, jumped on the hype train like everyone else, um, and my personal belief is that Josh LeBlanc is the best of the freshmen. Um, he has an insanely high ceiling. But Mac McClung, I was, I found myself standing in the Creighton game going, oh my gosh, put Mac in, put Mac in, put Mac in. And friends are like, who are you? <laughs> so I think, you know, he's providing, he's hitting 13 points a game. I don't know if he's even dunked since he's been back from his ankle injury, but he's hitting his jump shots, which he wasn't at the beginning of the season. You know, he's hitting his threes. He's making crazy layups in transition. He's unafraid to go at anyone in the paint. And he is a force to be reckoned with. Um, I think he and James McKinsey are going to battle it out for the East freshman of the year all the way down the stretch. Um, and then Trey Morning is just a pretty solid presence. He hasn't been starting even since he's been back from injury um, like he was in non-conference play. But he can hit his shots. He's just a big body in the post. Um, he to compliment Jesse Govin. He can go in when Jesse needs a break. Um, so I think he is just, he provides a good, he's a good, solid player. He plays, you know, a very fundamental game and can hit a jump shot from pretty far out, which stretches the floor. So I will definitely love for him to get more minutes than he has been recently in the St. John's game. Mm-hmm. And obviously, I'm not sure how much of St. John's you've seen besides the Georgetown game, but they certainly struggled uh, guarding big men and uh, front court mm-hmm. guys, in, especially in Big East play. Uh, Jesse Govan was a testament to that 25-10 and 10, the first meeting really dominated you mentioned how this is kind of a homecoming for him uh, probably his second to last chance to play in the garden in his career um, he's been playing pretty well lately and obviously now he has morning back as well to kind of compliment him like you said um, do you kind of see more of the same on Sunday do you see him kind of having his way with, with St. John's defenders on Sunday yeah I think so the Georgetown fan base has gotten just so used to him dominating, especially with the departure of Marcus Derrickson to the NBA. Mm-hmm. Jesse is just far and away the best player on this team. And he will have 20 points, and everyone will be like, oh, Jesse had a kind of quiet game. In the Providence game, he had 33 points, and no one was talking about him. Everyone was talking about Mac and James. But he dropped a career-high 33, and it's just expected because he just has his way. If he's not going over you in the post, he's hitting a three from the top of the key, or, you know, he's hitting a shot from the elbow. In the Creighton games, he's putting the ball on the floor and being mobile and, you know, hitting like a finger roll. Like, he is just... He can do it all at this point. Um, I don't know how anyone can guard him without being like seven foot five. <laughs> so, yeah, I think he will definitely dominate in the post. Um, I think Georgetown's struggle has um, always been and continues to be guard play, and that doesn't necessarily mean that like our guards aren't good because they're terrible this year. It's just there are a lot of very good guards in the Big East, whereas. Jesse Govan is, I think, far and away the best big man in the Big East. Mm-hmm. I think I would agree, too. And you, you talk about those good guards in the Big East and uh, Shimori Pons. Obviously, you have to talk oh, yeah. about him. You know, And I, I think what you said about, about Govan kind of is the same with Pons. You know, St. John's hands have just grown so accustomed to his scoring as well. You'll look up and he'll have, you know, 23 points or something like that, you know, mm-hmm. with 10 minutes left in the game. Uh, he had a season-high 37, or he tied a season-high 37 in the first meeting between these two. Uh, really helped St. John's come back in that game. 
team and then kind of hang on for the win in overtime as well. Uh, do you do you have any idea what the plan is going to be for Georgetown to kind of help silence him a little bit or at least contain him? Because it's, it's hard to silence Shimori Pons, especially at this stage of his career when he's been so efficient this season. Um, so what's the plan maybe in your mind to, uh, to help contain him a little bit on Sunday? Yeah, I think someone who you might not think of in terms of containing him, but who I think a lot of Georgetown fans will think about is Jaden Mosley. So he is not our starting one, um, although he did start against Creighton um, in place of James Akinjo. But he is an incredibly good defensive player. Um, he's a calming presence, and he's bigger than both James and Matt. And so having him out there, he's quick, he can guard well. He may not have the like offensive capacity that Matt and James has. He doesn't have that like explosive quickness or crazy dunks or anything. But he is a very calming presence, and he's a great defensive player. So it would not surprise me if he gets a lot of minutes and plays a lot of defense on Pong. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And my, my final question now, uh, I'm not going to ask you to make a prediction if you don't want to, but uh, you know, tell me your sense for the game. Obviously, St. John's and Georgetown have played some real classics over the last uh, calendar year, really. you know, If you go back to last January, the regular season games, uh, both at the Garden and then in D.C., the Big East Tournament game, even if you go back to, uh, to the season before, they played a classic in the Big East Tournament as well. So... Uh, they've played some really, really close games. I want to know your sense for this one. Do you sense it being another close game? Do you sense uh, a Georgetown or St. John's blowout? What's your uh, What's your general feeling towards the game? I think it'll definitely be close. I this this team, this Georgetown team, hasn't played a not close game since they blew out Howard um, before conference play started. I can't imagine that this game will be any different. Um, I think it'll be close down to the wire. Um, I think it'll just depend on who makes a clutch play at the end. Mm-hmm. Much like their their first meeting as well, we'll see if the mm-hmm. uh, if the tide turns and Georgetown can pick up the win. But uh, Beth, thank you so much for uh, for coming on and, and helping us yeah, preview the game. Yeah, and uh, best of luck as well with the podcast, with the uh, with thank the voice you. as well, and, and best of luck post graduation as well. I know I was in that spot as a senior as well, so I know <laughs> it can be kind of hectic the final couple months yeah. of uh, of college. So best best of luck. Thank you. Have a good one. All right. Have a good one. See you later. Okay. One more big thanks to Beth Cuniff of the Georgetown Voice for hopping on there again on short notice and uh, helping us preview St. John's in Georgetown. That was a really, really good job by her. Uh, 20 minutes of preview there for you guys to uh, lead you into Sunday's game as well to, uh, to close out the show. Like I said, I like I said in the beginning of the show, it's a must-win for St. John's. No excuses, no um, you know moral victories at this point. I didn't mention that in the beginning, but no moral victories for hanging tough with Butler. No moral victories if for some reason they lose a close game in this one. It's time to put up or shut up. It's time to win this game and then go forth into that tough three-game stretch and see uh, where you stand after that. But it's a must-win. Really, no other way to put it for St. John's. Uh, if you don't believe that, I don't know what to tell you. I don't think I'm being overly negative. I don't think I'm being a pessimist. It's a must-win on Sunday for St. John's against Georgetown. I will be there uh, for the third time this season. I'm going to a game. They're 1-1 right now. I saw them beat Rutgers, and I saw them lose to Seton Hall. 
This is my first game that I'm going to that's a home game as well, so my first garden game of the year as well. So hopefully I bring some uh, some winning vibes to Madison Square Garden on Sunday. If you see me, I'm not exactly sure where I'm sitting just yet, but if you see me, uh, give me a shout. I'll definitely say hi. And uh, yeah, that just about wraps up our show. Must win for St. John's. Must, must win. Got to get this done. Put up or shut up. Uh, we need everyone to pack the garden. Looks like it's going to be a, a full house. Let's hope that it's mostly St. John's fans there on Sunday. Let's get a win. And I will talk to you guys uh, some point next week. Maybe next Monday we'll do a little bit of a recap of the Georgetown game. We will see. But I will definitely be back next week with another edition of the Seeing Red podcast. Until then, uh, that wraps up today's show. And as always, let's go, Johnny's.